I want you to open your Bibles tonight. Uh, I believe this message is by inspiration. So let's look over at John chapter 17. John the 17th chapter. And uh, notice with me something that Jesus said in the, in the 17th verse of John chapter 17. Now we know that in this world in which we live, there's ample opportunity uh, to become polluted. If there's ample opportunity to uh, become distracted or really even to the point of contaminated with the world's way of thinking, with the world's way of, uh, of acting, with the world's way of talking. But there is a truth in the Word of God that literally will rip those things out of our lives. In John 17 and verse 17... Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I'm here to tell you tonight that there is sanctifying power in God's word. God's word will sanctify you, separate you from anything that would try to bring you down, hold you down, or cause you despair in your life. There is sanctifying power in the word. It will separate you from sickness and disease. It will separate you from poverty and lack. It will separate you from a lifestyle of lasciviousness, from a lifestyle that is running rampant in the direction of the world. There's sanctifying power in God's Word. And that's why we have such a strong emphasis in this place on preaching the Word getting the Word in our hearts, speaking God's Word, and acting upon the Word of God. Jesus says, I will sanctify them through the truth, through the truth of God's Holy Word. You know, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Did you know that? There's cleansing power in the blood. How many of you have been washed in the blood? Amen? In the precious blood of the Lamb. But there's also a wonderful truth in the Word of God concerning how the Word of God will wash us and the Word of God will cleanse us. So I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 5 and notice with me in this context he's talking about husbands and wives and he's referring to husbands loving your wives as Christ loves the church. And uh, in Ephesians the fifth chapter and... Uh, it's found in, I believe, in verse 25, Ephesians 5:25. Dealing with a new Bible here, so bear with me. Actually, verse 26. Notice this verse with me in Ephesians 5:26. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it. He's talking about his body. He's talking about the body of Christ. He says, so that he might sanctify, separate us, and cleanse us, amen, with the washing of water by the word. There is such great value in taking in large quantities of the word of God. There is great value in just allowing your spirit to feed on God's Word, the pure, unadulterated Word of God, it will wash you. 
It will cleanse you from contaminating thoughts. It will cause your, your life to be built up to such a degree that the things that used to bring you down can't bring you down anymore because you're being held up by the word of his power. Amen. That's what Hebrews says. He says he's upholding all things by the word of his power or by the power of his word. Think about that. The entire universe is being upheld by the word of his power. If the universe is being held up by the word of his power, you just mark it down. You are being held up by the word of his power. So put yourself in subjection to his word. In the large quantities of the word. Saturate yourself in the word of God and it will sanctify you. It will wash you. It will cleanse you. Now there have been days in my life where maybe I've had a busy day in the office. Or maybe I've heard a lot of reports about different things that are going on in in some of our members' lives. and, And just different scenarios and different tests and trials that people are going through. And if you don't watch it, you can allow yourself to take the care of those things. You can take the care of, uh, of people's circumstances and, and difficulties and situations. And so there's been times in my life where, you know, I've gone home and I've just kind of felt, man, this is, you know, I feel heavy. I feel heavied out because of the things that some of the people in the church are going through. But I know better than to dwell on it. I know better than to take it and own it and go to bed with it. Well, oftentimes I'll do, I'll go in my little office at home and I'll just put Alexander Scorby on. Alexander Scorby is an Englishman who just reads the Bible from Genesis right on through the book of Revelation. And I'll turn on Matthew and listen to the whole book of Matthew. Or I'll turn on Colossians and I'll just listen to the whole book of Colossians. And all the time, what am I doing? I'm building an atmosphere around me of the cleansing power of God's Word. And you know what it does? It begins to wash me. I take the labor of the Word of God and I wash myself. Oh, there's value in being washed and sanctified by the Word of God. Amen. Now notice something Jesus said in John chapter 15. I want you to notice in verse 3 of uh, the 15th chapter of John. And uh, notice with me in verse 3. John 15, St. John Chapter 15, verse 3. Hallelujah. There's cleansing power in the Word. Amen. Amen. In John 15, 3, notice he says, Now you are clean through the Word that I have spoken unto you. So as we hear the words of Jesus, as we meditate upon the words of Christ, There is a cleansing that takes place. How many of you know that your mind can get filled with the wrong stuff? If you don't attend to God's Word and the sanctifying power of God's Word, there will be thoughts that come to your mind that will try to bring you down. Yea, and even wear a frown. And even cause you to be depressed. But I am exhorting you tonight that there's cleansing power in the Word of God. And so turn the Word of God on. Speak the Word of the living God. Let it sanctify you. Let it separate you from the cares of this life. You know, one of the things that I hold fast to, and I believe in holding fast to God's Word, don't you? 
You know, you see various scriptures in the Bible where it talks about faith's confession. Faith's confession simply is speaking God's word. Amen? How many of you have been speaking God's word lately? I mean, on a regular basis. Now, what comes as you, as you speak the word of God and as you hear yourself speaking God's word is faith comes. Amen? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I believe firmly in holding fast to the sayings of Jesus and declaring what God's word says about me. For instance, over in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, I want you to notice that. Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse. Notice this, it says here, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast what? Let us hold fast our profession or let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession of faith. The mere fact that he tells us to hold fast to our profession or to confession tells me that there's something that's trying to pull me away from holding fast to yeah. God's word. Amen? Yeah. Now, in, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, let's look at that verse. Hebrews, the third chapter in the first verse, says, Wherefore, brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, it says, Consider the apostle and high priest of our what? Of our profession or of our confession, Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. So we see here that Jesus is the high priest of our confession, that he's watching over his word to perform it. As he watches over his word to perform it, that word cleans out and cleans up circumstances. It moves out sickness and disease. It moves out discouragement. Amen. Now, one of the, the biggest confessions that I hold fast to on a regular basis is found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. You will find this. That the cares of this life will try to enter in and do what? The cares of this life will try to enter in and choke the word and cause the word of God to become unfruitful. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, notice with me in verse 7, he says, casting some of your care. Casting most of your care. No, he says, casting all your care upon who? Upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, one of the confessions that I hold fast to and washes me from stress and fear and worry, this simple confession is, I don't have a care. You know, if I've given him all my cares, then I literally don't have a care. I don't have a care. Now, will care come? Will stress come? Do we have to take it? Do we have to act on it? Absolutely not. Now try that on for size and say it with me. I don't. I don't have a care. For I've rolled all my care, all my anxieties, all my concerns, I've rolled them over on Him. For He cares for me. So let God's Word sanctify you. Let God's Word wash you. Let God's Word cleanse you. Let God's word dwell in you richly. And as you let his word dwell in you richly, it will enhance your life and bless your life 
richly and you will be turned into another person. You'll be turned into another man. You'll be turned into another woman, not by the removing of your mind, but by the renewing of your mind. Amen? That's what Paul said. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, don't be conformed to this world, but rather be changed, be transformed. By what? By the renewing of your mind. You see, renewing your mind is another way of saying, be washed. Be washed by the word. Let his word separate those thoughts that don't come from him. Let those thoughts cleanse your soul. Let those thoughts remove those strongholds. How many of you know the enemy is a liar? He is a liar. And he puts suggestions and thoughts and even sometimes images in our minds that our heart detests. But I believe this, that when your heart gets good and strong... By praying in the Spirit, like Brenda shared last Sunday night, and by washing yourself with the Word of God, as you get real strong in your spirit, that will rise up in your life, and it will literally pull down those strongholds. It'll wash you. It'll cleanse you from lust. It'll wash you. It'll cleanse you from doubt and unbelief. I love what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He said, now look it, we're walking in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. Listen, this fight of faith that you, are in, you and I are in cannot be fought in the playground or in the battleground of the flesh. It cannot be fought in the, in the battleground of reasoning. We're not living in the flesh. We're living in the Spirit. We're not walking in the flesh. We're walking in the Spirit. Says, so though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. Then he goes on to say this. He says, for the weapons of our warfare... They're not carnal, but they're mighty. Mighty for what? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he says, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Those high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God are thoughts from the enemy that are trying to be lodged in your mind. But I'm telling you that the Word of God will wash it out. The Word of God will sanctify you. The Word of God will keep you whole and intact. Not only in your spirit, not only in your body, but the Word of God will keep you whole in your soul. It'll keep your mind strong. It'll keep your will strong. It'll cleanse you. It'll perfect you. It will cause you to be at peace and to be whole in your life. He says, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God or the Word of God. And he says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I can hear that great preacher, John Osteen, Joel Osteen's dad, standing up in front of thousands of people at camp meeting. And he would preach a message called, Think the thoughts of God. What does think the thoughts of God means? That means find the Word. Fix your mind on it. Think it. Speak it. Act on it, and the Word of God will separate you from anything and everything that tries to pull you down. We are not the ones that are being pulled down. We are the ones that are pulling down strongholds. Hallelujah! And so it is through the weapons of our warfare. They're not fleshly in their origin, 
but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And that's why he says in Timothy, to, to young Timothy, a preacher, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. How many of you know that there's a fight to this walk of faith? You know what the fight is? The fight really isn't with demonic forces. Demonic forces are already whooped. Jesus already triumphed over them. But our fight is to stay in the arena of faith. And our fight is to keep our lives focused on Him. I like the, the word focused because someone broke the word down one time and said this, focused means fixed, F, on Christ's unlimited supply every day. Focused. Say with me, I'm focused focused. on Christ's Christ's unlimited supply supply. every day. day. And He has an unlimited supply of strength for you. He has an unlimited supply of joy for you. He's got an unlimited supply of peace for you. So here's what we do is we fix and focus our mind and our heart on Him. It's like what John said. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The word behold is mean to, to, means to look and to perceive. Look at the Lamb. For as you look at the Lamb, He will remove sin out of your life. We could take it a step further. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the disease of the world. As you behold the Lamb of God that was slain before in the foundation of the world, and you know that by His stripes you are healed, it separates you from sickness and disease. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Thank God, thank God, thank God. So Jesus said this. He says, you're clean. You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Thank you, Lord. Now look over at John chapter 7. We're back over there now. Look with me at John chapter 7. Not only are we to wash our lives and ourselves of the Word, not only are we to apply the blood of the Lamb. Say it with me real strong tonight. I overcome, I overcome. by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of my testimony. Did you know the word word there is rhema? Well, literally what, we're say, what it's saying is this. We overcome by the blood of them because of the blood of them and by the rhema of our testimony. In other words, what are we saying about the blood that's been shed? What we're saying is this. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm cleansed. I overcome. I win every battle by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for the cleansing power of the blood. Amen. Has anyone, since they've been born again, had to apply the blood of Jesus to their life? Amen. I mean, maybe you got out of step, missed the mark, and you said, Lord, forgive me. I plead the blood. I receive forgiveness by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Or how about for protection for your loved ones? Protection for the local church. Protection. Thank God there's protection by the blood. Hallelujah. In the name of, let's say it real strong, in the name of Jesus, 
I plead the blood of Jesus over my spirit, over my soul, over my body, over my church, over my finances, over every area of my life. So there's cleansing power in the Word. In the Word. Now, I want to talk about another aspect of cleansing and another aspect that water of the Spirit will do for your life. Look at John chapter 7 and notice with me in verse 37. This is so good. John chapter 7, verse 37 says this. He said, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and think. What good is thinking doing when you could be drinking? I think there's too much thinking in the body of Christ and not enough drinking in the body of Christ. You do know that your thoughts are limited to your experience in life. So he tells you, don't come to me and just think, but come unto me and drink. Do you suppose that the water of life that Jesus is referring to here is pure? I wonder what the alkaline level of it is. I mean, it's the purest of the pure. Did you know that in drinking water, there are supposedly some waters that are purer than others? And, of course, they're more expensive. I don't know all about that, but I do know that the water that Jesus gives and the water that the Holy Spirit has for those that come is the purest of the pure. It's pure. Pure, unadulterated water of life from him. Just close your eyes right now and take like a flask in your hand and just put it in your mouth right now and just start drinking. And just say, Lord, I drink in. I drink in of your spirit. I drink in tonight of your precious Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now just start praying just a bit. Hallelujah. Just pray to edify yourself in the Spirit. Just start praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I drink in, Lord. I drink in of your Spirit. I drink in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Drinking in of His Spirit. Drinking in of His Spirit. Drinking in of the water of the Spirit will cleanse you from anything that would pollute you and from anything that would contaminate you. It will, if you will, flush you and just wash you out and cause you to be cleansed by the pure water of the Holy Spirit. Now, listen very carefully. Before that I can give out, I've got to 
take in. Amen? I think in the body of Christ that there's a lot of outgo, but not enough intake. In verse uh, 37 of that same context, in John chapter 7, verse 38, rather, notice this with me. He said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall do what? Flow rivers of what kind of water? Living water. But rivers of living water are not going to flow out of one that's been contaminated with the impurities of this life. And that's why he says, come unto me and drink. Drink in of my spirit by praying in the spirit. Drink in of my spirit by worshiping me. Take time to take large, large quantities of my spirit. Drink in. Drink in. Drink in. Drink in daily. Not weekly. (laughs) Not occasionally. But drink in daily. And drink in regularly of the water of life that has been so freely given. Oh, hallelujah. Drinking in. Drinking in. Drinking in. This water, if you drink enough of it, it'll purge you. It'll purge you. It'll, re- it'll remove contaminants from you. You ever seen a person... Um, and this is not a put-down. This is just an observation. So please don't take it the wrong way. But I've had the experience of praying for people and looking to the Lord for the answer. And that person... It's just praying as hard as it can, as fast as it can, just crying and weeping and weeping and weeping. You know what that's activating? That's activating grief. You know why? Because their mind is not fixed on the answer. Their mind is fixed on the problem. Their mind is fixed on the diagnosis. Their mind is fixed on the lack. So this, this struggling in, in prayer and just, oh... Oh, what it's doing is it's holding on to the problem and it's contaminated water. It's not pure. And that's why we exhort people in this church to take it in, to take in the Spirit. All prayer, all prayer must start with the answer. And that's why it's so important to know the answer. Don't go to God with grief Go to God in faith with the answer. Yes, you may be going through hell. There may be a terrible situation that you're facing. But he that's on the inside of you is greater than anything you will face on the outside. And so you don't get into this hyper faith thing where you get into a place where you deny things. And you deny diagnoses and different things like that. But rather... You're just so consumed with the answer and you're just so full of the Word and full of the Spirit that that water is flushing you of all those things and it's causing you to be at peace and to be at rest. I'm telling you, what a a wonderful blessing it is to be in fellowship with God. What a wonderful blessing it is to be um, vitally united to the vine. 
You do know that without Him, you can't do anything. I thank God that we're not without Him. Look over at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. So we're sanctified by the Word. We're drinking in of the Spirit. And we're not allowing contamination to bring us down. Amen? But we're walking in purity. We're walking in the cleansing power that God has made available to us. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. 1 John, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse. You can quote it, but you know, sometimes it's just good to let your eyes rest on the Word. Amen? 1 John chapter 4. And uh, notice with me in verse 4. Well, I'll start in verse 1. He says, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, everyone that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already it's in the world. So let's, let me ask this question. Is the spirit of Antichrist in the world? What does Antichrist mean? Can anyone help me with that? The word anti means what? Christ means what? So the spirit of Antichrist, you know, we all hear about, you know, the Antichrist. I remember Brother Hagin talking about all his Antichrists are dead. You know, they thought Mussolini was the Antichrist. And they thought Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. And then I can remember Dad preaching and says, I'm not looking for the Antichrist anymore. I'm looking for the Christ. But we do know that the Antichrist is a person and he will be revealed at the right time, right? But there is a spirit of Antichrist that is in the world already, okay? That spirit of Antichrist is a spirit that is designated as an anti-anointing in your life. Or anything that is like Christ in you, and you do know that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Anything that is like Christ in you, he's against it. He's against anything and he's against everything that is like Christ in your life. And that's why he's coming against you because he's really coming against the anointed one in you and the anointing on you. Amen? The Antichrist. I'm telling you, the Antichrist is a liar. And so the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard, has come. And even all, now already it's in the world. But thank God we don't have to get our knees to knocking and be afraid, do we? Why? Because in verse 4, notice this with me. I want you to read with me. He says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. About to overcome them? Someday we'll get there? No, thank God. We are of God. And have already overcome them. Them who? Them dumb devils of Antichrist. Them dumb devils that are telling us we're failures. Them dumb devils that will tell us we're never going to make it. We've already overcome them. We've already triumphed over them because Jesus did. You have overcome them. Now read this rest of the verse like you really believe it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now say it like this. Greater is he 
that is in me than he that is in the world. Say it again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Thank God for the greater one. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the word we have. Thank God for the blood. The Bible says our Father is greater than all. Amen. He's the greater one. And He lives on the inside of us. He's not just living in us, hitchhiking a ride through life. Thank God He's in us to put us over. He's in us to cause us to triumph and to win in life. The greater one. Greater is He that is in you than He that's in the world. Now, put Him to work. Put Him to work. Employ Him. Put Him to work. Well, how do I put Him to work? You put Him to work by declaring, you know what? This day the greater one's in me. The greater one's in me. Anybody ever faced, I mean, some real severe opposition on the job? I mean, to the point where, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, it could have ended up in a fist fight? <laughs> Steve's raising his hand. Luther's raising his hand. <laughs> James raising his <laughs> hand. How about, how about maybe a little bit better illustration? Uh, <laughs> a little bit better illustration might be is, uh, how about with a relative? Anybody ever face some opposition in the family? This gentleman has his hand. You got your hand up? Probably one of the greatest areas that you will face family feuds in is in the area of inheritances. You know, when mama or, or papa pass away, and I, I'm not saying that because I know of any situations like that, but, you know, the bottom line is this. Human nature is to want it all. Isn't that right? Human nature is to be very selfish. And it doesn't matter whether it's $10 or $10,000. I mean, people will fight over that stuff. It'll fight over that. You've got to remember, in those times, when you're faced with opposition, I mean, when that's the devil talking, you've got to remember that he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. And that you don't have to go there with them. How many of you know the enemy will try to take you places that if he can get you over there, then he's got you? But I believe this. There's stabilizing power in the precious Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. So I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that as you employ the greater one in your life by becoming God-inside-minded and God-inside-conscious and communing with the Holy Spirit, and looking to Him for wisdom, and looking to Him for strength, and looking to Him to keep you from doing this. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a Spirit-filled Christian. I've been in the ministry for years. Now, I haven't had any inheritance battles or anything like that, but I can remember one time down on Castro Valley Boulevard. Oh, my gosh. I was about ready to pull in and park, and some guy stole my parking place. 
I was about ready to go Medea on him. I was about ready to, I was about ready to, shoot. And, and he looked at me and he was waiting and he gave me, flipped me the bird about four times. And, oh, James was in the car with me and I had one hand on the, on the thing. I was about to get out, but thank God, the love of Christ, the love of Christ constrained me. I tell you, the love of God and the Spirit of God will constrain you. He'll help you to keep you from opening the door, literally and also spiritually. (laughs) It would not have been good. Hallelujah. Keep that door shut. Keep that door shut. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27... He says, neither give place to who? The word place there is topos, which means it's a geographical term, which means this. If you give him an inch on the map of your life, he wants the whole region. He wants the whole thing. And one of the, I think, greatest challenges that family members face and that people basically face just in, in, uh, in their relationships is strife. Now, the Bible says this concerning strife. The Scripture says, where there's strife, there is evil. Well, look at James 3. Look at James. There's confusion in every evil work. But we got a few more minutes. I know this is spatter barrel tonight, but there's something here for everybody. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. <laughs> James chapter 3, verse 16. So, remember the greater ones in you. Amen? The greater one will constrain you. The greater one will help you keep this, come on, under control. Has anybody ever really just wanted to say something? Your flesh, your, your flesh is saying, it seems like something ought to be said. Has anybody ever said something? Okay, we all have. But the love of Christ, the greater one, will help you control this. This tongue right here. James chapter 3. Just hold steady. James the third chapter, 16th verse. It says, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And what kind of work? And every evil work. So... The opportunity for strife in relationships, might be your mom, might be your dad, might be your brother or sister, it might be a relative, it might be someone in the church, that opportunity is going to present itself to you. You will get the opportunity to give someone a piece of your mind. Like I always say, you better hold on to what you got left. (laughs) Strife. Bitterness, anger. Where strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. A good friend of ours says that strife is the manifest presence of the enemy. So where there is strife, there's the devil, right? And so what the enemy will want to do then is to get you in a situation where you get out of sorts with someone. 
and get you into an area where you're bitter and where there's offense. And as a result of those things kind of brewing in a person's life, sooner or later, it can spring up. Bitterness can spring up as a root and bring trouble into our lives. But guess what? It never, ever has to take root. Why? Because the greater one is on the inside of you. And that greater one will not only constrain you and help you to hold steady and hold your tongue, but the greater one inside of you will also cause the love of God to flow through you to people that in the natural realm don't deserve it. Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Romans, the fifth chapter, the fifth verse. Romans 5, verse 5 says this, And hope maketh not a shame, because, what? Say it with me, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. By who? By the Holy Ghost. So this greater one, this greater one, this Holy Ghost inside of you will cause the love of God to flow through you to people. And lastly, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and notice with me in verse 29. Ephesians the fourth chapter and verse 29. And I want to look at the amplified version of that if we can. Now here's what will happen when you are sanctified by the word. When you're cleansed by the blood and you're applying it to your life. Here's what can happen in your life. When you're constantly drinking in of the pure water of the Holy Spirit, this right here will become subject to to him on the inside, to the greater one. And here's what you will not have to have happen in your life. No foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk will ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech. Is is it important what we say? Is it important what we say to others? Is it important how we say things to others? Ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give God's grace, God's favor to those who hear it. Father, tonight, I pray that our words would be so flooded with the Spirit. I pray that our words would be so anointed because of the saturation of your Word in our life that it would bring blessing to others. I pray, Lord God, that even the presence of God that is in us, that we enjoy regularly, would be felt by those around us. Lord, I believe that as we walk in rooms and as we walk in different places, 
the light of God's word and the light of the gospel can be not only felt, but even seen. Lord, I thank you for your cleansing power tonight and for the upholding of every person in here by the word of your power. Thank you for moving in each individual life. Thank you, Father, for causing us to be mindful of the greater one that's on the inside of us. Lord, when the squeeze is on and when the test comes, bring this to our remembrance, I pray, that the greater one lives in us and we will not be moved from our position of life and love. Lord, we give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name.